You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. I want to um, talk to you about um, a book that I read last year. So the book is called Lineage of Grace by Francine Rivers. Has anybody heard of that book before? Yeah. So I actually read it as part of my Advent reading. Lineage of Grace goes through the story of um, the ladies in Jesus's lineage. And so they talk about Tamar and Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and then they end with Mary. So surprisingly enough, in the book, then it's like a creative telling of their stories. And so, you know, it it reads like a fiction novel. My favorite person in that lineage to be portrayed by Francine Rivers was Rahab. Um, Because I think they did such a good job just creating her to be a really strong woman who, like, knew what she wanted. And as you remember the story of her... um, she was a strong woman, and she said, okay, I'll, let, I'll hide you guys when she was talking to the spies, but as long as you save me. And, but my least favorite was actually Mary. I think that Francine was strategic in making her seem like a very human person. I don't know how to say it any better or less rude than that. Um, but she was very human in the, her portrayal, and I think it's because We talk about Mary every year. She's one of the most celebrated women in the Bible, which is great. But sometimes we forget that Mary is human. She made mistakes. She went through pregnancy just like women go through pregnancy, you know. She was a very human person that God chose to use. And um, I just love that that happened, but also I was kind of bummed that I didn't like her character as much in the book. But as we are in our week two of a series on living in the miracles of Christmas, not just the miracle of Jesus' birth, but the miracles that we can experience today as well. Our hope as we journey into this series is that each of us submit ourselves to the Christmas story and find what new work God wants to do in and through us. So I want to invite you in as we dive in today to this main player's life. There is a reason God used who he used And I don't think it was because of some spectacular skill. He didn't choose, we're going to be talking about Joseph. He didn't choose Joseph because of his ability to craft a table, even though that's super cool. Last week, we looked into the story of Mary, a young girl who was chosen to be the mother of the Savior, a woman who was available, humble, and willing to be used by God. And as we think of the miracle of Christmas, I want us to think about three things really quick. The first one is the miracle God brought to us through the birth of our Savior. The second is the miracle God births within us, the work that he wants to do in our inner lives. And the third is the miracles God births through us, what he wants to do through us. And the whole point of the message is to talk about those three things and how to be ready and willing and available for God to use us. The wonder of the Christmas miracle is that it occurred over 2,000 years ago, but it's still happening today for those who are open, willing, and seeking. The question is, are you open to God? Are you willing to let him work through you? Are you continually choosing to seek him? Although Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, we would need an earthly father, one who would be a willing participant in God's plan of redemption. It's interesting, those last two statements, willing is a big one in there, willing participant. So um, Joseph is the willing participant we'll be talking about today. And as I think back to the lineage of grace, that book I read, I would say my favorite male counterpart in it would actually be Joseph. 
There is not much of him about in the Bible, but he was portrayed by Francine Rivers as a sensible, pious man. What we do know about Joseph is that his father was named Jacob. His hometown was Bethlehem in Judea, but he lived in Nazareth in Galilee. That meant that Joseph and Mary had to travel about 95 miles to register for the census. He is from the royal line of David. The genealogy in Matthew 1 makes that clear. He was a carpenter by trade, and he was a religious man, a devout keeper of the law, which is what we'll get into in just a second. But let's take a glimpse into his story with this video. Today we will read from Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a child, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Didn't Jesse do so good? He's so cute. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that you gave us such a wonderful story as this. I pray that you will make this story come alive to us in a fresh way today. That um, the experiences Joseph had, his responses, God, will speak directly into what you have for us. And God, the way that you want to use us. I pray that you will um, open our ears and our hearts and prepare our lives for the miraculous work you want to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Joseph was considering his options and how he should respond to the crisis at hand, he is encountered by an angel and invited into the miracle of Christmas. What about this man made him a candidate for God's miraculous work? I think the first thing is he took a moment to consider his options. And then he did the kindest thing he could for Mary, even though all evidence pointed to her cheating on him. These early decisions set him up to be a candidate for God's miraculous work. So who are the candidates for God's miraculous work? I think there are three types of people that Joseph represents that speak to what posture we can take. So please take notice that none of these are hitting at specific talents and that all of them are our, our attitudes and our responses to what God has for us. So the first one is responsive people. It says in Matthew 1:24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. Man, for him, it seemed like a simple response. He heard God's command and he responded. 
He could have explained away the event as merely a dream, that it had no consequence to his current reality and continued to divorce her. It would have been an easy fix instead of the complicated one that he chose. But he didn't do that. He did what God wanted him to. Jesus was willing to respond to the direction of the angel even though he did not have all of the details. As God invited Joseph into the miracle of the birth of Jesus, he was a willing participant. When was the last time you moved forward with all of the details? When was the last time you chose to follow God even though you didn't know what was going on? So I went to college in North Dakota in a tiny little town called Ellendale, which sounds like a Disney Christmas movie thing. But the closest Walmart from Ellendale was 45 miles away. I say miles because for us, we would just say 45 minutes, but I realized that here 45 miles could be an hour and a half, right? And, but there, there was never any traffic, so 45 miles, 45 minutes away. And if we wanted much more than Walmart, we'd have to drive over an hour to get anywhere. So one wintry day, my friend and I, we actually, she was having a hard week, so I said, hey, let's go on an adventure. And if you know me, you know that I love adventures. And so I said, let's, let's jump in the car. I want to take you somewhere special. She had no idea where we were going. Uh, the, the roads in North Dakota, you could take 35 to get to one place. So I knew if I took a non-normal route, she wouldn't have any idea. So we drove two and a half hours up to Fargo. And Fargo, you know, you've heard of Fargo, right? Because of the movie. Uh, Fargo is a bigger town. It's pretty great. I actually love Fargo. And if it wasn't because of winter, I would love to live there. I think it's really cool. But the whole way up, she had no idea where we were going. I, I had a little TomTom GPS. Do you remember those? I had a TomTom GPS, and I, I, I turned it away from her so she couldn't see it as I drove up. And I took the strangest way to get there. I avoided all interstates. Fun fact, this is also surprising. Ellendale, it takes an hour to get to the nearest interstate. Just to give you an idea of how tiny this town in the middle of nowhere it was. And so... I avoided all the interstates, and we got up to Fargo, and I actually took her to her favorite restaurant, which is Red Lobster. <laughs> Two and a half hours for Red Lobster. It was great. But um, I really like this story, and I really like that I was able to surprise her in such a way and that she trusted me enough to go along with it for two and a half hours on the road. And it was just for dinner. And I think sometimes God wants to say, hey, just trust me. You know, you might not know the end result right now, but eventually you'll figure it out. Just like I did to my friend. In God's sovereign plan, he has chosen not to manipulate or control the human will. Therefore, to be a candidate for the miraculous work that the Holy Spirit would birth in you, there must be an openness and a willingness to be used. And I love that. I love that. I, it's also very frustrating because sometimes I'd like him to answer my prayers on how to fix people that I know, right? But I love that he doesn't go against our will and that we have a part to play in the story. So there's an anthem for my youth, a worship song that would bring tears to my eyes every time I thought about God's calling on my life. I remember sitting at youth camp and the song just, them, them, you know, when you, you're at youth camp, if you've been, you know that, like, it's just a whole other world. God's spirit just feels so much stronger. I think there's something to do with you being away from all the distractions and stuff. But it is such an intense emotional experience. And this song just took it out of me every time. Uh, the song was by Desperation Band. And it goes like this. You're calling out 
who will go. I will go. I will live the life. I'll give it all for Jesus Christ. I'll tell the world that you are God. I will go. Hear my battle cry. Give me wings so that I can fly and tell the world that you are God. God, he's just looking for people who will simply respond, here I am. Use me, send me, flow your plan through me. We never know how God is going to use us and where he is going to take us to be candidates. Not only must we be responsive, but we also must be courageous, which takes us to our second point. God is looking for courageous people. Joseph, it says in Matthew 119, to whom she was engaged. Oh, can you go back to the scripture? I always forget. I need to look at the screen, not my notes for the translation, because fun fact, this NIV that's used here is 1984, not 2011. And you can't get 1984 translation of NIV anywhere on the internet unless you own a Bible from that time. So, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. There's no doubt that as Mary's pregnancy began to reveal itself, people began to ridicule, accuse, and condemn Joseph for it. It required courage to move forward in the adversity. As we learned last week, the idea of being pledged to be married actually means that you're married. You're just not living with that person. And so this speaks to not only his, his courage to do the right thing, but his sense of morality. You know, he decided, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing, even though it might look badly on me, and I am not going to blame her. I'm not going to cast blame. I'm just going to divorce her and pretend like none of this actually happened. So one of the things that I always like to do, especially since March, when you know, we were all stuck at home, is I, and I think I've talked about it before, I created a prayer wall in my room. It's now moved into my journal. And one of the things that I always prayed for, like a general overarching prayer, is prayer for wisdom during the pandemic. And so what I would do is I um, specifically targeted the leaders in our government. I specifically targeted our senior pastor and everybody who's decision makers at our church and I asked God for wisdom for them, that God would give them wisdom. But I also asked for, and I think this is important, courage to do what wisdom says. Because to live a life of wisdom and to walk in that, you have to be incredibly courageous because the world says the complete opposite all the time. And I think doing the right thing takes a tremendous amount of courage. And courage doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't scared. Courage says that even though you're scared, you're going to move forward. Courage is a muscle to be worked. So I actually have a quick story. So last year around this time, my friends and I went to Beach Mountain, and we decided to go skiing. It was a great trip. Loved every second of it until I got to the mountain and decided to ski. So I have never skied down a mountain before. I've only done cross-country and cross-country when I was in sixth grade and on a field trip. So I don't even have great experience with that. And so we get to the mountain, and they, my friends encourage me because they're all avid skiers from, like, Colorado and stuff. They're like, go take the class, and then you'll be ready to go on slopes with us. I said, great. So I take the class. It wasn't a great experience. I won't get into details. If you want to know, ask me later. But after the class, I was like, I'm ready to go. 
So I jumped on the ski lift with a good friend of mine. He's, out of all of my friends, he's probably the most patient and um, the best teacher. And so he, he is telling me what I need to do as we're going up. He's like, okay. And he's just giving me all these instructions and he's saying it in a soothing voice. He knows that I'm like so scared. And so, but the problem was, is the rush of my anxiety was too loud to hear what he was saying. And then logic fled when we got to the top of the lift and it was my turn to get off. And so what happened was, as I go to take, you know, I don't know, I, I'm not even going to try to explain to you what I did because I probably did it wrong. But instead of veering left, I veered right. And right took me directly in line with two guys. And I just biffed it. Just right into them. We all tumbled to the ground. And I'm on top. It was the most awkward thing. <laughs> I'm like, I stand up. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry. And they just, they're super kind and they're like, it's fine. And, but then I was shaken the rest of the time down the hill. I did not do a good job. I could not slow down. The pizza slice didn't work for me. I don't understand how that works. And I just felt like I would slow, me slowing down would be me just making myself fall. And it was terrifying and I never want to experience it again. And afterwards, I probably talked to my therapist about this experience multiple times, multiple sessions just devoted to this. And the reason is, is because I pride myself in my courageous spirit. I pride myself in knowing how to step out of my comfort zone. I actually, one of the things I encourage students, um, like college students, when they're leaving is I say, when you're looking for jobs, Look at the job that's scary to you and then ask yourself, why is this scary to me? And if you don't have a good enough reason, then do it. You know, and so I, I know all the right words to say. I was like, why am I? It's because I stopped practicing that muscle. I stopped working that muscle of courage. I got really good at things and then didn't try anything new. So this was my first experience trying something new and I failed at it. And it was just a good reminder to me that I'm never going to arrive and that I need to start, I need to keep on trying new things because the courageous thing is to do the new things. And then eventually when God asks me to do something really scary, that courage muscle is so worked that it's not as hard to say yes to it anymore. And the shaky hands, the nervous breaths aren't going to be the things that stop me from moving forward. So when God invites us into the miraculous opportunities, it will always stretch our lives, challenge our faith, and move us out of our comfort zone. So thinking back through the Bible, I think there's two individuals that really stand out to me as people who allowed God to take them out of their comfort zone and that worked that courage muscle. The first one I think of is David. Now, as we know, the beginning of David's life, um, he's a shepherd, and he's taking care of sheep, and he's spending time with God. And a couple of things that happen is, as I guess happened with shepherds, animals came to attack the sheep. And he killed a lion, and he killed a bear. Now, that in itself is a courageous moment, right? He's, you can tell this guy is strong, and that he's a little fearless. And then later on in the story, he finds himself up against a giant of a man, Goliath, somebody Israelites were terrified of, and he stands up courageously to the giant. I think he was able to do that because of those courageous muscles he was working before with the bear and the lion. Another person I think about is Joshua. 
And what I like about Joshua is he was such a moral guy. He made such good decisions, even when everybody else made bad decisions. And he was actually the, he took over for Moses, if you remember. And the thing about Joshua, though, that may, that's my favorite, is he still needed encouragement. It says in Joshua 1, 7 through 9, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the left or the right. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, God, he's looking for responsive people. He's looking for courageous people. He's also looking for obedient people. In Matthew one twenty four, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Joseph's simple obedience opened the way up for God to use him in the miracle of the Christmas story and as a key influencer in the life of Jesus. Man, I can't imagine being a parent to Jesus. So that story I told you of my friend and I going up to Fargo, what I didn't tell you is on my way back from our trip to Fargo, we hit a snowstorm. And... um. Uh, one thing to know about, and this might be like a plains thing, like North Dakota's in the plains region or whatever, but there's no hills. You can see for miles upon miles ahead of you, like it's insane. Like there's no tree, there's nothing to stop you from seeing super far. And so one of the things, I don't know if this is true or if it was just like a rumor that got started, but they say that the roads, actually, you could take the road and it could go on a straight mile forever because there's nothing that's going to stop it. So the, the, the engineers of the roads designed like a slight curvature to it. And the reason is, is because they wanted to make sure people on long trips, especially um, truck drivers, stay awake. And so that slight curve is there to protect people from just dozing off on a long, windy road, or long road that's straight. And so... <laughs> We hit the snowstorm on the way home. I'm, I can't even remember, it was years ago, how far out we were. But it was bad enough that I couldn't see the road. So um, it wasn't whiteout conditions quite yet. The, the um, wind hadn't hit quite yet. But it was bad enough that there was probably three or four inches on the ground. And it was up high enough on the sides because snow never leaves once it starts winter there. It never gets warm enough to melt. So the snow um, in the ditches was built up enough that it was just completely flat. And so what I ended up doing, uh, this is college Kate, so I don't know if I would do this now as adult Kate, but college Kate used my GPS to get me home. And so what I do is when the GPS started curving in the road, I turned my wheel slightly. And because I knew that if I stopped, there's no towns, it's all empty. So I knew that it'd be a really long time before like, you know, it, the roads had been cleared off. And also I didn't know if I could get started again if I stopped. So with those things in mind, I kept on going and I used my GPS to take me home. And so I tell you that story because 
if we want to experience God's miraculous work in our lives on a consistent basis, then we must be willing to go God's way and to live God's work. You know, just as I followed my GPS home, we need to follow God's GPS for our lives and what the word says. And just as um, my friend trusted me, another thing is I had to drive the whole way because she grew up in Arkansas and didn't know how to drive in the snow. And so I took us the whole way home and she had to trust that I knew what I was doing and that I was going to get us home safely. And she did. She didn't demand that I stop. And we got home safely and clearly I'm alive. So um, living in the miracle of Christmas will not be a random act, but it comes to people like Joseph who are responsive, courageous, and obedient. A.W. Tozer said this quote once, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan to do only the things that we can do ourselves. What a strong statement. What a pity that we plan to do only the things we can do ourselves. One of my favorite stories in history is a story from Corrie Ten Boom. Um, if you don't know her, there's a book called The Hiding Place. I highly suggest it. It's a fantastic book. Corrie was born in Har- Holland, and um, she was an adult when the Nazis invaded. And one thing that's unique to her story is her dad read the Bible to her every evening. He would um, gather them all around and they'd read the word of God together. Um, following Jesus was a really big deal in their family. Early on, when the Nazis had it invaded, um, they decided to become a safe place for people running from the Nazis. And so they actually started hiding Jews, hence the name Hiding Place. They had a room a hidden compartment in one of the rooms and they'd like move the armoire, put people in it, then move it back into place. And it was, it was a very intense situation. As you read in her story, you'll see many moments where they were almost caught and they weren't. And um, each time that they started taking away more and more rights, this family got more and more courageous with what they did. So eventually... They got caught. Um, They were actually sold out by their neighbors. And so they were sent to a concentration camp. And the family was split up. But miraculously, Corey and her sister Betsy were together. And they had so many different moments where God did a miraculous thing. There was one time she had a Bible hanging from her neck and no one saw it. You heard this story before? Yeah. Um, And you know, it's just miraculous things happening over and over again in their life. But one of the big things is them providing hope to the Jewish people and the ones that were getting attacked by um, the invasion was something that continued on in the concentration camp. And one of the things that um, Betsy had said to um, Corey that was really impactful, is she said, thank 
God for fleas. Now, Corey is more of a kind of like aggressive personality who like wears her her emotions on her sleeve and she doesn't understand why people act the way that they do and she has no seemingly no grace for people. Betsy, on the other hand, was the complete opposite. They were definitely very different, which was able to help manage and um, even them out. And so Betsy said, thank God for fleas. And she's saying, thank God for that really bad thing that's happening because God can use it for something cool. And what she meant by that is the barracks that they were in were like the dirtiest in the camp. They were disgusting, infested with fleas, so much so that a lot of the guards refused to come in. And um, I want to read a quote to you as we wrap up tonight. I'd actually ask you all to stand as I read this quote. I think it's a really important one. Imagine they're sitting around in the barracks. And as I said, they encouraged others in it. They, they knew that they had a story worth sharing, even if it would cost them their lives. And as they're reading the Bible, this is what she said. Like waves clustered around a blazing fire, we gathered about it, holding out our hearts to its warmth and light. The blacker the night grew around us grew, the brighter and truer and more beautiful burned the word of God. I would look about us as Betsy read, watching the light leap from face to face, more than conquerors. It was not a wish, it was a fact. We knew it, we experienced it minute by minute. Poor, hated, hungry, we are more than conquerors. Not we shall be, we are. Friends, in this Christmas season, we may see that we are all more than conquerors. Our circumstances do not look as bleak as Corey's did, but just as she and her sister leaned on God to use their circumstances for his glory, let us decide to the same this Christmas season. I want to remind you of the name of our series, The Miracles of Christmas. What was, what is, and what will be. God wants to use you for those things. He wants you to be will, uh, responsive, courageous, and obedient. So I invite you to open your hands up to the Heavenly Father in expectation and surrender as we close our time together in this prayer. God, we come before you today full of faith from the stories of the faithful. We come responsive, courageous, and obedient to your will. Use us as you will this Christmas. We give you our fears, our expectations, and our circumstances. May your birth, may you birth something within us and through us. Above all, we submit our will to yours, Heavenly Father. In the name of our precious Savior, Jesus, I pray. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.